Welcome to the Rural Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Scottish Enterprise. I'm your host, Jane Craigie. Once a month, we will bring you an interview with one of the 650 people strong alumni from the Rural Leadership Programme. In this podcast, I caught up with Sasha Grierson, who wears three hats. She works for SAC Consulting, where she heads up the Scottish Farm Business Survey, is involved in the family's organic farm, and she consults on the diversification of rural businesses. In this honest conversation about life, family farming and business, Sasha talks about the importance of diversifying your thinking, your business and yourself. She says that she is in the third iteration of herself. I hope that you enjoy her thoughts as much as I did. Thank you very much for joining me, Sasha. Lovely to see you. Hi, Jane. Sasha, tell me a little bit about the hats that you wear. Thanks, Jane. Um, About two, two and a half years ago, I joined SAC Consulting to become Senior Project Manager on the Scottish Farm Business Survey. And what that did was to combine my first career and my sort of first love as a scientist with my second career as a farmer. Back in oh, sort of 2000, 2000, over the course of a few years, I got slowly sucked into our family farming business while I was at home with my small children. And I initially thought, oh, this will be perfect little part time job while I raise my family. And farming just kind of gets a hold of you and it draws you in. And before you know it, you're running your own business. And I have to say, they were exciting years as we built the business together with my husband. And I haven't altogether left that business, but my day-to-day work is is fully consumed with SAC Consulting. There's lots of exciting opportunities. And, and one of those opportunities that I've picked up is to become a bit of a diversification voice in the company. And that's another great interest and commitment I think I have. I think diversification has a lot to offer the small fam- the small to medium-sized family farming business. And there's, there's so much opportunity out there in the rural, rural economy. Farming is having its tough challenges at the moment. And in many ways, although it's really difficult to think about changing what you're doing, it's almost like sometimes those tough times will prompt you, stroke, force you into considering doing different things. And that can be really exciting and re-energizing for a business. And Sasha, one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you today is that you really have got your ear to the ground in terms of what's happening in Scotland's rural and farm business economy through um, the Scottish Farm Business Survey work that you do, um, as you just mentioned. What is it you're hearing? I know you can't talk about the detail, but tell us a little bit about what that survey is, why you do it, and also what you're hearing. What are the sentiments that are out there? Okay. We, in the Scottish Farm Business Survey team, SAC Consulting is contracted to provide a deep economic analysis on a data set of just over around about 400 Scottish farms of various farming types, but traditionally the supported farming types. So we don't do pigs, poultry or horticulture, but we do all the other different farming types. And this is to provide the Scottish government with essential uh, an essential data set so that they can produce their their own government statistics and that they can see what agriculture's contribution is to the overall Scottish economy. Its data can support informing 
Scottish Government as to the direction of travel for its agricultural policy. A lot of government statistics are published a little bit later than the economic events actually happen on farm. But our team is out talking to farmers and meeting farmers gathering this year's data. And it's the usual three Fs, the feed, fuel and fertiliser crisis that's sort of hitting Scottish farming at the moment. There is also an ongoing rumble about you know, issues with labour. And that's not a new thing. And that it's not that's not confined to farming. That's an economy wide problem that businesses are having to navigate. And in terms of how businesses are thinking about dealing with those three F's and the and the labour issue, what are your team picking up? I think farmers in general are very resilient. You know, we routinely go through tough times sort of counterintuitively farming was one of the few industries that did carry on during the pandemic bizarrely almost it's like it's our turn to have have problems and to be honest the fuel stroke fertilizer issue you know has an impact on other businesses not just farming in other sectors of the economy as well not necessarily fertilizer but in the form of high energy bills and that's again becoming a kind of business wide issue rather than just being strictly confined to farming and Sasha, I know you've got a lot of experience in a lot of different sectors and a lot of different, also a lot of different enterprises within land-based businesses. Where do you see the need, but also the opportunity for diversification? That's a really great question, the need for diversification. Sometimes people can see diversification as a nice to do rather than a must have And that will depend where that point is, will depend on the direction of travel of different rural businesses, different farming businesses. And diversification doesn't have to be, you know, wedding venues and, you know, log cabins and all that kind of stuff. Diversification can be, you know, looking at adding on different primary enterprises, uh, primary production enterprises. So it can be looking at growing alternative crops. There's an interesting project on the go about growing hemp for carbon sequestration with a group of farms in in Angus in the northeast. You know that that's a fascinating uh, project there. You know, traditionally I live in rural Perthshire, and this was traditionally a hemp growing area, and it was grown f- for linen. And and of course that whole thing fell out of fashion, and you know was is obsolete. And now we're we're digging out that knowledge, and we're looking at doing it for different reasons. Uh, that's a fascinating and and genuinely interesting iteration of the traditional crop from the past. You're a really good example of somebody who's diversified themselves using their skills. So, you know, also thinking about people themselves, you know, we're a bunch of rural leaders, what are we capable of? And how could we use those abilities to that are, that are already gathered or gather new skills um, to be able to do things differently? Oh, that's a great question. As individuals, our brains are plastic right into our 80s. We can learn new things all the time. And so sometimes, you know, you hear people saying, oh, I'm too old to learn or I'm too, you know, I've been around the, around this loop before or I don't have the energy. And I just, I just kind of want to reject that. I feel that I, on a personal level, I feel like I've sort of reinvented myself. Uh, I'm in my third iteration and it's really exciting because it keeps you fresh and it keeps you thinking as well. And I think there are some common threads. If you're used to leading a business or a project or a group of people, that's a really super transferable skill. If you're used to 
looking, trying to challenge gently and nicely the accepted wisdom and the status quo, then that's a transferable skill. If you see problems as things that you want to get stuck into, then that's a transferable skill. So I think if you're running a small business, which I did for years, you know, people used to say, oh, where's the marketing department and who's the accounts department? And you'd just go, well, that's me. The one thing that was really clear between my husband and I was that he was the farmer. I sold the stuff. He did live and I did dead, for want of a better phrase. Having that kind of multiplicity of hats and wearing some of them in some places and others of them in other places and combining them here, there and everywhere, that's a transferable skill. And it does mean to say that you're not a super specialist at anything. And so you need to know very clearly what you don't know and when to get the outsiders in. And I think that's the advantage of a rural network and the advantage of the alumnus of the Rural Leadership Programme is that there are lots of people who can be those super specialists for the generalists in the, in the pack. And you've met them and you've had a beer with them at the bar. You've kind of, you've seen them expose themselves gently through their kind of insights work or whatever. And so you kind of, it's not that you know them. It's just that you feel relaxed about picking up the phone and saying, hey, I'm stuck with something. Can you help? Or is there a, a few people who could help and form a little gang and go and do something? And I know there's been various things that have come out of the Rural Leadership Programme over the years. And there are various projects that have come out of the um, the Rural Leadership Programme over the years. One of the one of the best ones that's gained the most traction recently is the Go Rural project that started off in 2012, slightly disappeared for a few years, and then was reinvigorated and reborn um, during COVID and now is off and running. And I think that's a great example of the concept that Good ideas don't go away, they just find a slightly better time to flourish. And and that's a really nice example of that. You've made some really important points. And I think the two that really resonate with me are so people get stuck. Um, you know, there are many people within the rural leadership program that have come onto the rural leadership because they are stuck in some way. And you need the power of the collective, which and you've just described that, how powerful that is. Knowing people are the same as you, they they may have different skills, they may have different pressures, but actually you're all there for the same reasons, which is to to unblock or to develop your thinking or to expose you to new things. I think that's hugely valuable about the Rural Leadership Programme. And the other one is that picking up on other people with different skills. I think the other thing that's that's really important, and I want to ask you about it, is that unblocking and reiteration of yourself as an individual how have you done that and what within yourself do you think you've utilized to do that oh uh mm, you, you make it sound like it was a thought through process and actually it was a sort of happy accident of of um of circumstances that came together i think and i will say this i don't like to be gendered but I do think it's much easier for a woman to reinvent herself than a man, than, than it is a professional man. Um, as women, we say, oh, I think I'm going to go and do this. And everyone goes, oh, good for you. And, uh, and it's not quite the same reaction that men get if they go and retrain as a, you know, an aromatherapist or whatever. You know, it's not it doesn't quite come over quite so well. So I think I do have that in my in my corner. I very much joined the family farming business because I wanted professional work. I wanted a professional level of work and I could not find that within reasonable 
commuting distance of my family. And I didn't want to work flat out full time. I wanted to work in a part time manner while my children were young. And that was a personal decision. And so I joined the family farming business. Luckily, I come from a fairly muddy wellies background. So getting stuck in didn't matter to me. Um, and there was a lot of opportunity. So it was a kind of combination of timing. There was opportunity back in 2005 to develop the organic brand that we had sort of started in our kitchen. It hit a time when uh, organic sales were really moving quite fast and growing fast. And so we were there and able to capture that. And it was also at a time when you know, social media was just becoming mainstream for businesses. So it's like, what's this Twitter thing? Oh, I better get myself on there. And, you know, very easy to to sort of self-teach. I think my the culture in my own family is I come from a very large Irish family. And if you don't just get on with it, you just need to get on with it and get stuff done. So the Rural Leadership Programme was fantastic because it came for me at a very good time. When I was about five years into managing our brand and building our business, and I had sort of just done a year of accounts, and I suddenly went, oh my goodness, I've been working on this for so long. It's actually a thing now. Oh no, I need to look after it. And that was a kind of like, "Uh uh-oh, I can't just walk away from it. I have to look after it. And so I was like, well, I I think I, I don't know. Lots of people said, go on the Real Leadership Program. And I got lots of skills there, which I picked up lots of thoughts about how better to communicate with people. It made the re- it helped me make the relationships with my staff better. It helped me try and see where my management style was perhaps falling down and causing problems. And I've never really been afraid to, I've never been afraid of looking at my own behavior and scrutinizing it and accepting that it maybe needs to be worked upon. So what we're talking about is ego. Everyone has their ego. That's fine. If you can try and kind of keep it to the minimum in your interact, day-to-day interactions with staff and other people outside outside your, your business, then that, that can help. And actually, where I saw that most clearly was when I went out to sell stuff to people because the customer is the customer and you have to look after the customer and you have to sort of figure out what their needs are and address their needs with your product rather than telling them how brilliant you are all the time. That's not what selling is all about to me. It's very much about building relationships and seeing your product as something that solves a problem for them. Some of that makes me sound a little bit kind of like I do have an ego. Maybe I do. Maybe it's bigger than I think. I don't know. And then the time came when my children left home and I realized that I'd probably gone as far as I could with my work in the farming business and that I had more freedom and I was seeking a new challenge. And so yet again, you go, oh, I think I'll have a new challenge. And everyone goes, oh, good for you. I'd started looking and this job came up and I just thought, oh, this is perfect. It combines my original uh, life as a scientist. And although it's not biomedical science, it's it's got the same principles that you have to gather data and you have to gather in an objective manner. A lot of the SAC work is based on evidence and research evidence that SRUC produces. And so I liked that link between between evidence and practice. I think that the SRUC, SAC model can offer you. Um, and it also combined with, with the farming experience that I'd had. And I hadn't, it wasn't that I'd had lots of farming experience, but I'd, I'd picked up 
a lot of information over the course of the 15 to 20 years I'd been running the business alongside my husband. How, how can you not? And I'd also been in charge of the farm accounts, uh, our own uh, accounts at home, and in charge of monitoring our various different enterprises on the farm and trying to intervene when the money you know, went out of control in a particular enterprise. And that often resulted in lengthy, heated discussions over many, many suppers at home as we challenged each other with our different enterprises and who'd made money and who'd lost money and all that kind of thing. And that's when when your ego does play a part and is important in having those family discussions. (laughs) Of course it does. Yeah, exactly. And that's really tough. You know, family businesses are difficult and I take my hats off. You know, they're difficult because you're trying to communicate with people that you love and care about, about rational, quite tough, challenging business decisions and and challenging things about money. And also being aware that often people are in farming businesses, not just for money. They're in it for lots and lots of different reasons, because maybe they love cattle, maybe they love you know, growing crops. Maybe they just really enjoy that, seeing their potato ground flourish and, and a good a good crop coming over the harvester. It's whatever it is that ticks your box. And yes, it's got to make money as well, but there's something else going on for a lot of people that are running family farming businesses as well. That is so true. And they, they are hugely complex, probably the most complex businesses you'll, you'll, you'll ever be a part of if you are part of one. Because you can't call, you can't walk away from the emotional element of it, can you? I think as well, yeah, you can't. And and also, you know, people who get involved in, I think, without wanting to say that farming is special as a, as a, as a business, I mean, it does have its special things that go on around it in that you're outside in nature all the time and you can have the most heart-stoppingly amazing moments standing in a field if you have the time and energy to lift your head and look around. And and yet you can have some of the most difficult, tough challenges when, you know, you go out into the field and there's and there's dead sheep or there's dead chickens and, and you don't know why and you've got to figure it out. That can be really tough. You come across as a very observant, but also very optimistic person. And I'm going to ask you, because we are in the depths of a challenging time, you know, there's all sorts of discussions uh, that we don't need to go into now because everybody's wholly aware of them. But what gives you hope and what are you optimistic about? As farmers, we produce food and we must never, ever lose sight of that. That's really our primary task. And that need for the land to produce food must not be let go of. That is a cause for optimism in that that is our task you know, that's our purpose. Although we have these really complex challenges, because we do have to manage our land now for climate and for nature, because climate and nature help us. They help us. They support the growing of food, which is our primary task. So we can't not make room for them. And in a way, although that sounds like a really difficult challenge, as we go forward, as we move into the future, we can continue, we have to continue growing food. We can't not, but we have to take these things into account as well. And sometimes, you know, that 
those heart-stopping moments where you just see the wonder of the world around you, you can find those. You can find them in your day-to-day life as a farmer. You're just so lucky because you're out there in it. Yeah, you're unlucky too because you're out there in it, you know, in the terrible weather or whatever it might be. But you are lucky that you're out there in it. And regularly people come from the city and they visit the countryside and they just go, this is amazing. And they're just standing in a field of grass with some cows over the fence. And they're just going, this is so beautiful. And they're just like, you're so lucky. And we are. We're really lucky. We're blessed. (laughs) Lest we forget. We are. (laughs) And I'm going to ask you one last question, which goes back to personal resilience and fortitude and the ability to adapt. If somebody is looking to change their career, um, if somebody's looking to cha- take on a new role that's hugely challenging, or if somebody's looking to diversify what they do within their business, what three things do you think are most important to, to achieve it well? Be prepared to stick at it, particularly from a business perspective. You know, new ideas, new new diversifications, they, they may take three to five years before they start delivering. So be prepared to stick at it, be persistent, develop a bit of a thick skin, you know, particularly if you're selling something, it's not personal. And then the other thing is don't imagine that everyone thinks the way you think about whatever it is that you're selling. You're going to have to sort of convince them. Be clear about your story and your value, you know, be clear about the story and the value that you have. Just, you know, operate with a bit of confidence. And, you know, if someone doesn't, if someone says no, then that's okay. It doesn't matter. It's not personal. Yeah, be prepared for people to say no and just move on. You know, I think that that personal resilience is that kind of thing that not everyone will like what you do, but that's okay. You know, it's fine. Keep going until you find someone that does. That's a lovely note to end on. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you for listening to the Rural Leadership Podcast brought to you by Scottish Enterprise. Make sure that you subscribe for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the Rural Anchor page on LinkedIn where you can catch up with other people in the Rural Leadership alumni. I'm Jane Craigie and I thank you very much for listening. Have a good day.